Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Saturday to you and yours. You're well into your weekend. Hope you're enjoying it. We got a little special edition, weekend edition of Fearless. Joining me today will be our uh, main man, Morpheus Royce White, the deepest man on the show. Royce has uh, started his own podcast uh, called Please Call Me Crazy. And so I wanted to bring Royce on. One, there's an issue that I want to talk about that I think is related to the importance of Royce's show. And, and so I want to combine talking about that issue with telling you and, promote, and promoting Royce's show and telling you guys how to access it. Royce, uh, thanks for joining me on this Saturday. Appreciate it. And, and let me just explain to Royce why I want to talk about the Vogue magazine cover that shows uh, Rihanna on the cover, basically leading her baby daddy, uh, ASAP Rocky, <laughs> and their baby. Uh, you know, it, it's to me, and, and they use the word reborn, Rihanna, everything changes. And so I, I think the religious symbolism is important and is intentional. And, you know, as Christians, as believers, we talk about being reborn in Christ. And I feel like they're trying to send a message about being reborn in this div divine feminine energy. But, but the reason why I think this is important, and Royce, you, you can, I want to talk about the cover, but I also want to talk about your show. You can tell yeah. me if I have the wrong take on your show. But, but what I see in you, Royce, and this is not a vision where I see Royce as the perfect person because you're not, you're a fallen man, just like me and everybody else listening to this. But I think you have a chance to tell a story through your own life and the mistakes you've made and the issues you've dealt with that you can be an example uh, to young men about the natural order, about healthy male tox uh, masculinity about being a leader as a man. That's what I'm hoping uh, your show is going to represent. That's what I think you have an opportunity to represent. I've told you all fair and I may have even said it yeah. on air. It's like I, I see Royce as the next Kevin Samuels, the next iteration of uh, our America's version of of a better version of Andrew Tate, someone who can reach young men and provide them an, uh, an example and advice that can lead them down a direction. You won't make some of the mistakes. Royce has made some of the mistakes I've made. That's where I'm hoping when, when you figure this show completely out, that's where I'm hoping the lane is and, and how you're seeing. Well, I hope so. Um, those are those are two very uh, powerful names uh, in, in Kevin Samuels and uh, Andrew Tate and, and some of the other people who have been able to get a, a younger audience and be able to, to reach younger people. Um, you know, our younger our younger people in this country and around the world are the future and, and the the um, the destiny of our nation and, and of our society is in young people's hands. And, and we're at a pivotal moment, so I really, uh, I would really love to be able to reach young people. I think um, my show is definitely to to try and convey through my own personal experience the things that I've been through, 
um, the pitfalls and, and things that I've seen, um, the curtains that I've seen behind, uh, and, and this sort of impulse for mainstream mainstream media to call people crazy who have ideas that are completely rational and logical and, and trying to reconnect young people, hopefully, but all people to a more rational and logical conversation about any number of issues. And, and um, I appreciate all my time here on Fearless doing that. And I hope I can continue that in, a, in an even longer format over on my show. Um, and, and we're off to a good start so far. What your show, do you plan on doing interviews or will it mostly be you? What, what should viewers, listeners expect? Well, the format right now as it stands is Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 p.m. It'll premiere on YouTube. Um, we also are set for the episodes to premiere on Rumble, although Rumble uh, has some trouble handling such big files. I mean, that's just technical stuff behind the scenes. But, but the, the episodes should make their way to Rumble on the same day in or around the same time as they premiere on YouTube. But I'm following in, in the leader's footsteps here and premiering on YouTube. I like the funky music they play in the countdown. Um, I'm, I'm a child like that still. Uh, uh, but but Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and Mondays will be more of a deep dive on a given topic. This week I did globalism versus nationalism. Um, Wednesday will be more of a current events and news episode. And Fridays will be our family and friends Friday, and we'll try and have a guest or feature a guest every Friday. Today we're actually doing our first guest, uh, or I'm sorry, on, on Friday we're doing our first guest, Chris Martinson. Uh, who is a, a good friend of mine and a, and a truth, truther and a, and a fighter himself against the mainstream narrative. So that's kind of the format and, and the, the game plan for now. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 p.m. Monday's deep dive, uh, Wednesday's current events and news, and Friday's our guest show. So you're, is this, this is the end of the second week, I, I believe. Uh, Easier, harder, what have you learned about doing a podcast and perhaps yourself just two weeks in? Well, I mean, I've learned there's so many different ways you could do a podcast. The way we've chosen to do it um, has has all kinds of hidden obstacles that that we didn't foresee. But we've been fortunate that in every every uh, day that we've we've premiered the episode that it's it's made it up on YouTube on time. Uh, YouTube hasn't censored it. It hasn't hasn't brought the episode down. We haven't had any hiccups or anything like that with with uh, tech. Uh, so we've been fortunate so far, I would say, and and I hope that uh, we continue to have that success. I'm sure our guest episodes will give us some trouble, as you know, with Skype. But but um, we're doing our best to to pre-check, uh, you know, pre-flight check all of those things. So so we make the deadlines we need to make. Um, other than that, you know, it's it's just it's. It's a whole different format to just monologue for an hour and a half. And that's what I've mostly been doing this first couple of weeks is just going off on rants for an hour and a half about any given issue. You know, that doesn't trouble me. doesn't trouble me. I, as I look out into the future, I see a time and I, I can I can see where um, any type of on air personality or broadcaster would find themselves venturing into dangerous territory and trying to provide content that entertains instead of that informs because at, at a point when you touch on an issue so much and you get right down to the, the bone of an issue, I mean, it's hard to say it again, right? In your own head as a, as a commentator, you start to think like, man, I said this before. Uh, so in the first week, I found myself a couple of times listening back to the interviews and trying to figure out what I want to tell the audience next and going, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but some, some of this stuff needs to be repeated because the mainstream media has no problem repeating lies. 
Royce, I'm going to keep it real with you. We had a discussion this morning amongst my team. Uh, we were all wondering uh, why I hadn't been a guest on your show. We thought that perhaps, you know, by week two, <laughs> that <laughs> I'd get I've checked my phone. <laughs> I've been like, did I accidentally block uh, Royce's number? I mean, what's going I've checked email. I've checked my spam folder. Uh -huh. uh, no invitation to be on Royce's show. Come on. Uh, you know. Uh, Come on, you're the you're the busy one, man. I told I told you we want you to be one of the first guests. So uh, look, I got you booked in for next Friday. We'll we'll get you as as the second guest uh, of the family and friends edition. No no problem. Oh, I'm I'm not hiding from you. You know what's funny is when I thought about you being one of the first guests, I, I started asking myself, man, we've had so many conversations, and and I've been on the other end as as an interviewee. I don't know what to ask Jason. Like I don't know where to begin, and and so. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to have the interview of Jason from from the young kid, hour and a half, all the way up to where you are now. So I'm, I'm charting that out in my mind. I'm putting together, I'm trying to put together an epic interview for you to, for you to, uh, for the shoes to be reversed for, for what we usually do. Yeah, ask me all the questions that other people are afraid to. I, I would enjoy that. You're a guy that I, I would go there with. So let, let's, I, I want to talk about Rihanna and ASAP yeah. Rocky and the yeah. cover of Vogue magazine, it, 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 to me, it gets at where we're at in this culture at every opportunity, popular culture, popular influencers seem to be sending out the message, the black man takes a backseat to the black woman Am I just being overly paranoid or is the fact Rihanna's worth all this money? She's worth more than ASAP Rocky. He's playing the position he should be playing. Well, th th there's there's a problem with it. I mean, look, the overall culture of, of black America is and I've said this before, and this is much of what your show has tried to highlight. And I think it's one of the most important things that we need to discuss in American culture and politics. Because the, the circumstance of black America is much greater than your, your, your average black community or what's going on between ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. This cultural narrative about black people, about black America is, is the, the railhead, is the cornerstone of a, of a global agenda. And we've said it before, but it, it, it's worth being reiterated. There is a global narrative that came after World War II and the Jewish identity and the black identity are central to it. And within the black identity or within the black cultural narrative, um, women, women being the head is, is advantageous for authoritarianism, for totalitarianism, for, for state surveillance, for um, a, a sort of uh, authoritarian uh, dictatorship, a new, a neo-authoritarian dictatorship. And how? Well, yeah, Rihanna may have enough money to support, you know, ASAP Rocky or, or her family or whatever crew she has around her. Uh, and, and money may not be an issue to them, but the idea that women should lead ultimately um, is is the the gateway for the black identity and freedom to be uh, inextricably linked to the expansion of government. And I, I know that sounds like a mouthful, but but in short, what we're saying is that you know, or what I'm saying, and what many people in this nationalist populist movement are saying, is that it, if if women are going to be tied to the expansion of government, um, then by way of all men are going to be held hostage to a sort of feminine uh, or a feminized version of culture and society. 
and not just black women, but black women first and foremost, because the welfare project and the welfare state uh, rest rest upon their their cultural identity. So, yeah, I mean, this this whole narrative that's being driven on every ad and every new blockbuster movie that comes out uh, on the cover of Vogue magazine, you pick pick a place. Doesn't matter. Pick a place. And the, the narrative is 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 very succinct. It's very consistent. It's that men should move to the background and let women lead um, and, and that we'll all be safer or we'll all have more peace if, if women are allowed to lead. But we see everything but. I got to be careful how I express this because I'm referencing two women I absolutely love and adore. And so I I, I don't want to out them, but I'm just so I'm just going to frame it that way. Two women that I've. One, I've known virtually my entire life and the other one I've I've known last 20, 25 years, very successful very educated, very accomplished, one, both of them in marriages, and I know both husbands well. One of the husbands is like a brother to me. <laughs> and, and so, and the other is, well, I, I, gotta, I don't wanna out anybody. I was about to say something that it would out. But I had one woman tell me that I'm over there for dinner and her husband's there. And she basically just said, if, if uh, man, if he, if he would, because they, they, there's some tension in their relationship, obvious tension, issues. And she says it out in front of him, if he would just be a steadman, I could carry us, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I told her, I, I was like, hey, that's the equivalent. I said it out in front of everybody, him, her. I was like, you, you, said that, you know how he hears that? He hears that like, if he'd just bend over and let me shove this broomstick up his rear end, things would be better. I go, that's how that sounds to him. This is crazy. And then another woman, you know, her and her husband were here in Nashville. We were out to dinner and we were talking about this whole leadership dynamic. And she just told me like, uh, look, right now, we black women, we got this. Y'all got to just kick back and let us handle this. We got this. And so there's a real mindset among educated black women who've had career success. They have convinced themselves they're all Oprah Winfrey. And if if we would just fall back, they got this. And it's almost like y'all blew it. We got this. And, And there's almost no reasoning with them. No, it's this is absolutely absurd. This this part of the narrative, you know, there's a dynamic between black men and black women and there's the family dynamic. But there's also there's also the individual circumstance of the black woman that we can't continue to dance around. And it has historical precedence. And I got to call a little bit of history here. And, and you know, it wouldn't be a, a segment of mine if I didn't do so. And I, I take us back to World War Two often because of World War Two was the turning point of, of so many things culturally here in America. And, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. We tell the story of World War II as though we, the, the, um, the allied forces, right, the, 
the progenitors of democracy and fairness and peace went there to fight the access powers and we beat the access powers and and they were fascist nationalists globalists racist eugenicists so on and so forth but that's that's not the way that's a gross misrepresentation of history it's a gross misrepresentation of world war ii and it's a gross misrepresentation of the three leaders that have come to be the the juxtaposition of american uh, democratic liberal order and that was Adolf Hitler, Tojo, Mussolini. And, and why I say that is Churchill, you know, Winston Churchill had to come to America and sign away the, the colonial empire in order to fight off the German war machine. You know, Hitler, I mean, the Churchill was on the ropes. Great Britain was on the ropes. And they, he went to Roosevelt and he said, listen, we need you. We need you or we're not going to win. We're going to fall. And, and, and out of um, a sort of commonwealth, English commonwealth sympathy, uh, Roosevelt obliged. And, but, but in doing so, Roosevelt made Winston Churchill sign over uh, the claim of their colonial empire. Now, here's what happened. They signed over the claim to their colonial empire. But in effect, what they, what they did was they sent all of their... European monarchy philosophers and academics into our universities. People got to understand this. The World War II was fought between two globalist groups. The Allied forces were globalists and the Axis powers were globalists. One group of globalists came out on top. That group, within that group of globalists, the former, the former authority around the world from the colonial, the crown, the colonial empire, lost some of their stake. At, in the driver's seat, they had to. They had to. They had to. Um, they had to. You know, bow down to the United States. They needed that help. But in doing so, that you know, the, the Brits and the Crown—they're not idiots. What they did was they sent their European monarch philosophers into our universities to run cover for the rebranding of the Crown's business model. And I've said it before, but I'll continue to say it. And I'm going to get to black women in a moment, but this goes all the way back to that war and that history to the prevailing ideology from universities today. They sent their Marxist philosophers, German, Austrian, the list goes French, into our universities, and they ran cover for the globalists, the crown, to rebrand its business model of drugs, slavery, and piracy in the three ways they're covering our social justice, democracy, and environmentalism. And the black woman is the pillar because social justice is the pillar. It's not democracy. It's not environmentalism. Those are an afterthought. Social justice is the, the, the central pillar of the three-pillared social justice, democracy, environmentalism that's running cover for the crown. Why do I say they're running cover? Because the business model still exists. All of it's just been modified to meet the narrative of the black woman. That's the reality. That's what's happened. There's still slavery, wage slavery for sure, but there's still actual slavery in some places around the world. Really, we're slaves to the Fed and the monetary policy and the monetary governing bodies like the IMF that are going to bring us essential digital currency. And in, con in collaboration with environmentalism and democracy, they're going to tell you at home, every woman that's on welfare, um, either you're going to get your child vaccinated or you're not going to get your universal basic income. So there's the slavery, the drugs. Oh, it's not cocaine. It's it's not heroin. It's it's not sugar like it was in the beginning. Uh, it's still some of those things, but now it's it's morphed. It's 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 grown, progressed into pure dopamine. Social media here's the dopamine, and democracy has become a corrupt uh, corporate 
corporate oligarch run process. So all three, all three have become a bastion of the, the crown's original business model. And when I say democracy, what I'm saying is we elect officials who create the perception of a consensus, a rational, logical, fair, democratic consensus, but they use it to wage piracy all around the world. That's what they're doing. Slavery, drugs, piracy. We'll go where we want, we'll take what we want. If it's the Ukraine, we'll take the Ukraine. And the black woman has become so disconnected from those historical roots. And, and, and how that's taken place is they take the black woman into the university and they prop her up and they tell her her hair is pretty. And out of that self-doubt and, and that, that, that insecurity uh, and, and that, that history of, of genuine oppression, that fear of the black man dying from re- revolting against the slave master, which is a, a prevalent uh, psychology in the black woman, she, she stands there and she plays puppet. She plays symbol for these for these Marxist universities and all these agendas. And the black man at, at many turns is trying to fight to, to stand up and say enough is enough. And the entire idea of citizenship from from Los Angeles to Beijing is being compromised and undermined under the rubric and fight and dynamic between the black woman and the black man. I know that was long winded, but. That that's the reality. No, 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 no. Long winded is not what anybody's thinking here. What they're thinking was like, wow, that's a lot. That's tremendous. It's it's opening up my mind to a because, again, you, you've talked about these things in bits and pieces. And so, you know, that's not long winded. It, it takes that long to unpack something that provocative and that profound. And, and I almost don't want to ask you a follow-up question. I just kind of want you to be like, you got any more you want to add to that that'll help us grasp it as we think about it this weekend? Yeah, well, we'll think about it like this. Uh, many, we, we, we have to get, get, get away from blame. Um, and, and when I say blame, I don't mean that that nobody on the table has culpability. We all have culpability in this project that's been run on us. And, and at bottom, um, the black woman is a convenient target psychologically, culturally, politically, economically, and a history that we all sort of contributed to. And so, you know, the black man at, at some point in this whole Willie Lynch style psychological experiment should have said, you know what, uh, honey, I love you and I love these kids and and but but we're not going to live in chains. And 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 I would rather all of us die than to live in chains, right? The price of freedom is death. Malcolm X said it, Thomas Jefferson said it. Two different two different people in two different times from two different points of view but came out with the same with the same answer, the same end result. And 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 our American citizenship, our American identity is built upon an idea like this. Um and and along the way our fear um, our, our lack of faith, uh, our, our lack of of um, of, of understanding, uh, it, it led to this sort of uh, neo 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 subjugation that we all live under. And the black woman was just a you know, she was just a a, a, a great tool. She was just the one who was standing who stuck out of the bunch, right? She stuck out like a sore thumb. And we propped her up. We all did this. And black men did it too. Remember, it's not just a crisis of femininity, it's a failure of masculinity as well. And first and foremost, it's a failure of masculinity, and then secondarily, it's a crisis of femininity. 
And much of it has to do with very, very uh, fundamental, fundamental biological mechanisms that God did give us. And one of them is to reproduce. One of them is to have that that sort of sexual lust, right? That that appetite for for sexual uh, for sexual contact and intimacy and and uh, companionship. Um, that's a very very old biological program, and it's being run on us now. And it's not just black men. In effect, this entire feminization of society, of the Western world, of of modern society writ large, is to um, to tamper the threat of revolution because women are slow to revolt. They're slow to violence. They're slow to they're slow to pick up arms. They're, they're, they're much more agreeable. They're much more amenable. It's easier to convince them to take a deal that they otherwise maybe shouldn't take through rational and logical thought. And that's what women have done. And nobody better than black women. I mean, think about it in Brazil. They're bringing another uh, global example in Brazil. The president Lula, President Lula just announced that in order to get your universal basic income, your your uh, Brazil government aid, you got to get your kids vaccinated, right? I mean, that's a deal that no no man, woman, or child with any concept of citizenship should take. But but you have to start from saying that we shouldn't take the welfare state as a concept to begin with. Um, so we've been kind of corralled into this shooting gallery, and and the black woman is 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 the person who's leading the shepherding. She's saying, no, no, we 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 have to go in here. We have to get in this shooting gallery. We have to stand over the target. Yeah, X marks the spot, but we need to be here in order to be safe uh, and in order to survive. I, I want to end this by bringing it back to Rihanna. And, okay. and, and I, I think this is a profound point in terms of watch the Super Bowl halftime performance and you know, a lot of the music took me back to when I was younger and, and you know, took me back to when I used to hang out in clubs and listen to all that music. And so it, it had a nostalgic feel to it that on some levels I enjoyed just listening to the music. But I also, you know, clearly she's lip syncing and clearly she's not that talented of a singer. She's more of a brand and an image than a super talented singer. She's not Whitney Houston. She's not Aretha Franklin. She's not Adele. And, right. and you know, Rihanna's a knockoff of Beyonce who's not super talented, who's, you know, a knockoff of Madonna. And so what I think about when I think about what you're saying in terms of how this is all orchestrated and they've done it with the, a lot of it with the music industry and building up influencers and stars, they've eliminated the need for talent and they just need people that will go along with the program because they can put the beats, they can get someone else to sing for you and they, they've just yeah. eliminated the need. You don't, in order to be a musical star, you don't have to have real talent. Just look at most of the rappers. Look, Cardi B! I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is not a talented even rapper. And so they've dumbed down the music enough that they can install useful idiots and dummies who will put, because again, when you have real talent, when you have something to offer, you're far less controllable. And when you don't have real talent, you're far easier to control. And that's, you know, everything you're saying is like, and why they're using the woman and her insecurities, you yes. know, and, and makes her even more 
easily uh, easier to manipulate. It, it just all makes sense to me that virtually all of these influences, talentless, insecure, totally beholden to the machine that made them because I got a buddy tech nine from Kansas city. He's to me, clearly the most talented rapper of the last, in my view, the last 40 years. It's just an amazing His ability to rap is on such a higher level than 99.9% of the guys that have made it huge in the rap business. But that's intentional that the talented actually don't get put on these pedestals and platforms, and the idiots do. Well, I mean, first, let me, let me address the first part. You make a profound point with the music. Music is a universal language, and, and in the choirs, you know, the, the, the Catholics, we get a bad rap. Um, but, but what I like about Catholicism is that it's the one, one variation of Christianity that, that goes into depths about the choirs of angels. And, and the, the principalities and, and all of the, the angelology that exists. And, and in that, or in that history, we, we remember that Satan was in charge of the music, that, that Satan was, um, was a being that, that was, was very inept musically. Um, he, he ran the choirs, the, the, the musical choirs in heaven uh, before his fall. And, and we see that music has that sort of universal power to it, both positively and negatively. And so our music being dumbed down is is not a casual thing by any means. And and I think you make a great point about the 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 lack of need for real genuine talent. And and what it signals is this sort of digital digitalization of of our society, right? Uh, music is is a, a canary in the coal mine, no pun intended. It's a canary in the coal mine for a, a digitalized culture. Um, and, and it does take away the need for real genuine talent and it does obscure the value of real genuine talent. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's part of a bigger program to, to socialize sin. And that's what they use music for the most is the socialization of sin. You know, it used to be if you walked down the street or you hung out at the local bar or you, you know, did cocaine or whatever the case may be, you had to deal with the consequences of that, of that sin. And in those consequences, those real world consequences, you had the potential to, to learn from that and come out of the other side. Many people in the Bible um, went through many trials and tribulations and were, were victims of, of their own sins and then learned from that, which God put in front of them to learn and came out to, to be great people, even came out to be saints and, and whatnot. Um, we've taken that part away. The digitalization of music has take is, is a part of that socialization of sin and, and social media is the same way. Right now you can jack you can you can jerk off. You don't you don't have to go down and actually buy a prostitute and have sex with her and, and run all of the risks that comes from hanging out in places where you pick up prostitutes or what happens when you have sex with a prostitute. There used to be something that you could learn from that. There used to be something that you could learn from going down and and and, and becoming an alcoholic or so on and so forth. Now uh, you got you got Pornhub, you got Tinder, you got the dopamine of getting red likes on your phone from your social media app. Um, you, you you got you got musicians and and people who have become watered down versions of of the idols that we never should have worshipped in the first place, if that makes sense, right? We we never should have worshipped Marvin Gaye the way we did in the first place, but at least he actually had talent. 
at least he actually could sing. At least he actually could play the instruments. He understood the music. We never should have worshipped him the way we did. Now we've started to worship people who, who can't do one-tenth of what he's done. And, and in that way, you can see that we're in a, a, a dark pit um, morally, ethically, culturally. Royce, uh, once again, we'll end with you telling everybody the details on your show and when they can listen, where they can listen. And thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, well, thank you, man. Yeah, please call me crazy. Um, it premieres Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 p.m. Central. Um, and Monday, you can expect a deep dive on, on a given issue. Could be globalism, could be the Fed, could be black women and black men, the black family, Christianity, no telling. Um, on Wednesday, I want to do current events. We do current events and news, just topic by topic. Uh, this week we did, uh, or, or you know, this this past Wednesday we did Carrie Lake and the Black National Anthem. I invite anybody to go watch that episode. I was much more animated and passionate than I was in this interview today. Maybe I'm still uh, a little tired from that that whole episode. Um, but and then Friday we do our family and friends and our guests, and and I'm excited about all the guests. And I'm getting my interview questions ready for you, Jason, so you can be one of our our first guests here to to launch the podcast. And and I want to tell you, Jason, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, man. You know, thank you for allowing me to be on Fearless. Please don't 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 uh not let me come on Fearless as much. I'm gonna make as much time for you and the Fearless Army as I need to. Uh, the, the podcast is is not gonna uh, affect my availability at all. Uh, but I really appreciate you. And for all the flack that these pro-black, you know, uh, uh, fake, woke, militant, you know, uh, uh, the black anthem is is the, the crying call for liberty and freedom and justice. All of these people sat by and watched when the NBA and the rest of the mainstream media corporatocracy uh, strung me up on a cross for fighting for mental health and and, and called me crazy. And none of them would let me have a platform to speak these very rational and I think very rational and logical thoughts that I have. And I spend a lot of time uh, trying to craft to give people the best insight I can. Um, but but when we first hooked up about a year and a half ago, you you were willing to give me that platform. And and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm loyal and to, to the fearless army and to you. And, and I don't care if we disagree on anything. I know where a person's heart is and where their motive is. And, and all these other black commentators out here that are carrying water for this agenda really need to take a strong look in the mirror. And, and if you watch my podcast on, on Monday, Wednesday or Friday, you're going to see me force them to put that mirror up to themselves and, and ask themselves who they really are deep down. Thank you, Royce. We'll play some tomorrow. We'll see you guys on Monday.